Welcome back to episode seven of Get Out of My Head, a stay woke podcast where we get into the heads of young people sparking change through creativity. So grab some popcorn, coffee, or maybe headphones and join us as we dive into the journeys of our three guests, their fears, and essentially their minds. Now, before we begin, if you don't already know, my name is Maliha, one of the co-founders of the Stay Woke Youth Creative Nonprofit Organization, and I'll be your host for this episode. Joined by me are three young creators and writers and they're people of many talents. And we've had the pleasure of working with them through Stay Woke. They're actually all on our team, which is very exciting. So first, I'd like to introduce Deepanita. Hi, I'm Deepanita. So Deepanita is on our projects team and has worked with us for over a year now. She's currently a grade 12 student at Turner Fenton Secondary School and is planning on going into social sciences and humanities next year for university. She enjoys binging Netflix, listening to music, and watching hockey, but unfortunately for her, she is a Leafs fan. Um, so next we have Kungan. Hey, my name is Kungan. So she is a grade 10 student at Cawthra Park Secondary School, where she majors in drama and hopes to pursue film and performance arts. She's also part of Stay Woke because social justice is a deep passion for her and in being in the midst of other motivated, like-minded peers allows her to better her impact in the community. She's our TikTok rep, actually. I'll catch her in a TikTok. You probably recognize her from there. And finally, Jazzy, our content research development lead, who I've beaten several times in basketball. Um, it is a fact, guys. So Jazzy's a fourth-year student in the Integrated Biomedical Engineering and Health Sciences program at McMaster. He's also part of the health sciences stream. Jazdeep's, um, are, as I mentioned, our CRD lead. He enjoys watching, reading, and discussing politics, news, and political theory. But anyways, so we have uh, three quite diverse people, very different interests. So we have them all here today on this episode because they were all interested in talking about today's topic, which is activism burnout. And by that, we need to discuss openly just the ridiculous amounts of information Gen Z consumes today and how it sometimes overwhelms all of us and discussing ways to prevent this overwhelming feeling. So thank you all for being here today. Um, regardless of your very tight schedules, I know it is midterm season. Um, so to dive into our topic for today, because I have talked for quite a while now, I want to begin by asking you, what what brings you to this podcast? What interests you in the first place? Um, so this <laughs> Speaking from my own perspective, I feel like activism burnout is uh, like a rising issue among uh, me and my friends. And a lot of the time you can see people posting on Instagram and doing stuff such as attending protests or even creating uh, content for other people to like get informed with. And sometimes you can feel like you're not doing enough. However, this is like an unhealthy, unhealthy attitude to have and consuming so much news can be part of this. And I just wanted to discuss that today. Similarly, I feel like a lot of people um, our age today forget the, the true impact that the youth has in terms of like change. And they just think it's all up to the government and there's nothing that we can really do as young people. And so they either just give up or leave it onto someone else's shoulders. And that's something that I've definitely been in the mindset of before 
but hopefully I want to be able to discuss and bring change to that. Um, I think part of the reason why I'm here is a lot of what Kangan and Jazdeep said. I just think for me personally, activism burnout is something that I'm experiencing more and more as time progresses and just the world gets more connected through media and you just have all this information coming at you and you just feel like you have to be doing something all the time. And so I just see it in the people around me. I see it in all my friends. And then I'm also starting to see it in myself. And so I feel like talking about it, I hope that this conversation helps others listening to it who might be facing the same thing or, or want to help other people facing the same thing. And also just in a way, help me by talking about it. Yeah, no, that's actually, uh, it's really interesting that we're, I agree with everything that's been said. And it's really interesting that we're talking about this just because of the platform that we are, like we're Stay Woke event, right? Like, I mean, Jazzy, if you're on the content research development team, you you contribute to, to making and, and, and writing all those graphics. And so I'm curious, like when you're, when you're writing those, like, is that a form of burnout for you? Like, do you feel drained at, at points how do you like keep yourself motivated while still being able to like keep up with everything um I wouldn't say I feel drained as much as it's it's a sort of guilt at times where uh there's a lot of members in our team contributing great ideas and some of them are very very uh related to current events but we can only uh address so many issues at once and there's only so many topics we can get to at once so when we're picking topics for the table Sunday uh Oftentimes there's very, very good ideas that we have to keep in the bank for later. And sometimes we feel guilty because the clock runs out on some very awesome uh, posts that could have been really informative and helpful. But uh, we just have to keep a positive mindset and you know, just be really appreciative of what we are able to do and just reflect on what we did uh, inform people on rather than like the opportunity cost that we gave up. Yeah, of course. Um, and Deepanita and Kangan, I mean, I know your roles on Stay Woke are a little bit, they're not as directly contributing towards like our Stay Woke Sundays and stuff, but um, just working on the Stay Woke team, like how has your experience been in relation to, I, I mean, it is like part of it. I mean, we're creative, but we're also an activist organization. And so how has your experience been on this team? Um, so I think for me personally, like social change, social justice is something that I'm very passionate about. And so one of the reasons I even joined Stay Woke in the first place is because I wanted to find more outlets, like find another place where I could contribute more to that type of cause. And so I feel like just being a part of Stay Woke and being a part of the change that we create like, makes me feel like gets rid of the guilt that I think Jazzy was talking about, but in a different way for me, because each time I contribute something to this team, each time, like even doing this podcast, it makes me feel like I'm doing a little bit more, but then again, it kind of relates to the idea of I always feel like, and I think a lot of people feel like they always need to be doing something more. And I wanted to touch upon something that Jazdeep said about how there's like the sort of guilt when you leave behind ideas that you might not be able to focus on at one time. And it's like, you just can't. And you know, I think it's just really interesting how we try to like quantify how important social issues are when we should be focusing on everything. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, what, the me what the media defines as like importance. And like this is oftentimes has to do with what's good for corporate interests what represents like uh, the best like ideas for American values, uh, the American world order. And it's just a lot of filters that like information passes through and these social causes pass through before they reach us. Like uh, we were definitely not aware of atrocities happening 
in places where like the news has no benefit to tell us. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Like, um, I mean, you guys touched on some really interesting points, like just about how it becomes a game almost to see like what can get the like the most news coverage, what's like the most important thing that everyone should be talking about. And if you're not talking about it, if you're not posting on your Instagram story, it means like you don't care. And that if you do post, it means, oh, like check that box off. Like you've done your activism for today, right? Um, and it's really interesting um, because I don't know if you guys remember, but the, what was that show that they, it was canceled, but it was going to happen with the Yes, The Activist. So that show, I remember when it came out, I was like, is this a joke? I literally thought it was like a Twitter meme. And it wasn't, it was real. Thank God it got canceled. But like, it's just so interesting because that it literally, it literally proved everyone's point about performative activism in a way. If anyone wants to give a quick briefing on the show for anyone who's listening, who doesn't know. I think it was like a competition where like they, they come, they support social causes and they see who gets the most likes, and most likes is the winner. <laughs> That's literally, like, I just don't understand when they were making the show, like, what they were thinking, to be honest. Like, it's just it's social media activism at its finest. So, yeah, that's a little bit of, of a side note, but it's just so funny how, like, activist social media culture, like, literally is, like, becoming so mainstream now. Like, it's, it's weird. Um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, my other question is just do you think social media is a good medium of activism and awareness and like what have you seen accomplished so far are there any benefits or is it really just to make ourselves feel better I feel like to both answer the question and bounce off what you said about performative activism sometimes it's a really fine line between like a popularity contest and then actually spreading the word like I find sometimes when there's Instagram reposts about something it'll be like everyone will target this post just so that it seems like they actually care and then if you go and click on the posts no one actually has liked it and I feel like although sometimes it's harmful it's also beneficial because it's still something it's still like a gateway between even if like five out of 100 people look at that story and like care it can still have a little bit of an impact and I feel like sometimes that's really hard to think of because as like the TikTok rep on Stay Look I also think sometimes like is this really making a difference I thought like I joined Stay Woke so that I can you know be a part of more change rather than just reposting something on Instagram, but is something being posted on TikTok really any different at all? And I feel like, honestly, in terms of the lightheartedness that a lot of TikToks have, like if you throw out a big issue in a jokey way, sometimes it actually gets people to listen. And that's mainly because it's such a simple thing to take in. It's so funny and lighthearted. People will realize well, I can grasp this concept. It's not that big of a deal. I can, you know, make a little bit of a change just by knowing about it even. And the big picture isn't always in the picture. Sometimes it's just everyone getting a little taste of the activism. So I think social media is uh, an interesting medium for like activism because there's some things that it can do very well and there's some things that it's very bad at. Uh, I think it's almost impossible to change someone's mind on social media because like the way that social media has become organized now, like if, if you actually take a look at it, uh, Facebook's under fire now for like literally creating almost the anti-vax movement, the QAnon movement and like 
like all these hog movements literally originated on Facebook. So on, in one way, like it's, it's a poisonous medium where people can go to just like reaff reaffirm anything they believe and you can find any opinion whatsoever, right? Whereas there was a day where you had to go through some sort of editor, some sort of medium who had to take responsibility for publishing something you said and had to be accountable for it. But now there's no, no level of accountability. And I think that social media is good, really good, however, for informing people on stuff. So for example, if you do have uh, an interested base uh, of supporters, this is an amazing way to reach them and to inform them on things. And that's where I think it's really important to focus on uh, and generate awareness for important issues amongst people who would care, right? Because there's a very little chance that online without any face-to-face -face interaction, you'll be able to change someone's mind, but there's a really good chance that you'll be able to teach someone something about something they didn't know. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. It's the whole concept about like being in a bubble, just like, like I know people I've talked to, like even just not even within our generation, but like if I, I talk to someone older, like much older who like just has Facebook, for example, like they'll, they'll be like, what do you mean? What, what indigenous water crisis? And I'll be like, are you, are you joking? And like that, that's when it hit me. And I was like, oh, like you really, not that it's an excuse at this point where you have so much access to information, but in a way it almost is. It's like, that's your bubble. That's what your Facebook feed is, is feeding you. That's, that's the news you're getting that, that everything's like okay right um and it, it's crazy i think one day i was like scrolling on tiktok and like you guys were saying everything is like tracked the algorithm is constantly looking at what you're liking so if you already have a strong opinion on something most likely social media is not going to change that it's going to add fuel to the fire but um like once i i don't know how i ended up there i got on like trump tiktok i was like what's going on here i need to get out but i started reading comments of all the people you know like debating and finding there and there was genuinely some people like reconciling and like trying to see each other's sides and all it, it's so crazy because tiktok is a really like brutal fan base some people can come for each other but um a lot of people just like make a snap decision and realize I'm being kind of arrogant and this, what this person's saying is kind of making sense. Like I've never seen this before. And even in like their own territory, they might feel the need to switch sides and it'll never be a hundred percent. But like you said, it could be, they could just understand one little concept and that could lead to things changing, but it is really hard to kind of burst out of that bubble because there's nothing that any social media will do to stop you from just liking more posts if even if it's all the wrong things yeah i've noticed uh some pages that i've noticed bubbles in is like i've seen um on meme pages i've noticed that people are mostly pro-vaccine but like i'm a huge sports fan so i follow a bunch of sports pages and almost every single one of them like if there's a single post about a player who's supportive of a vaccine a, a player who says I think taking the vaccine is a good choice all the comments uh I think it's my choice my freedom my body um why is he picking for me why are they being political nobody asked you to support the vaccine how much did the government pay this guy right so that's the comments for uh, a, a player who's supporting the vaccine and then if we see the comments for an anti-vax player they're all like oh my god he's taking the stand like he's so brave whatever right like like it's insane. And then you'll have one comment amongst those that's like pro vaccine and it'll have 600 replies full of people like, 
Are you crazy? Do you know that you're giving up your liberties? Do you know that it's my God-given right not to get injected? Like, it's it's insane the 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 kind of polarization you see just like amongst even social media pages. Yeah, that's another important point. Polarization. Um, so by that I mean it's like I, I think I was listening to a podcast. I think we're talking about how like I don't remember who was saying it, but like the world has like never been like more polarized in terms of like political opinions, views on like even basic human rights. Like you're either like so for humans' rights or like you're like no, you know, and there's there's not really a balance as as balanced as we like to think um anymore and that's really interesting do you guys think social media had like what role do you think social media has in that in this new era um social media like if you take a look at what the alt-right is they're they're like this new young movement of like right-wing conservatives very dangerous uh they're behind the charlottesville rally they they originated on social media that that's where they began organizing uh a lot of proud boys and stuff are being organized there and on the other side, Antifa uh, and a lot of left-wing groups and just like protests as well as like protest organizers are using social media now to their advantage. But it's definitely created like a boost in extremism, like uh, like you were saying. So uh, for example, if you were an extremist before, it, it might've been hard to get your hands on extremist literature to confirm what you believe or to even talk to anybody who believed in the same thing you did. And a lot of times what would happen is like, as you grew up, you're, you'd become more normal, like, more centrist per se, because the people around you are all more, more centrist than you are. And you just conform to their beliefs. But now you can surround yourself around people who want to believe anything you want to. And you can see, see as far deep into the extremes as possible. It, like further deep than anybody you thought was possible before. And if, if you go onto like certain circles on the internet, like there's, there's kids who are like 16, creating political ideologies like like on their laptop and naming them and like like creating their own like literal ideology followed by like six people on a red forum yeah i feel like a lot of that also ties into like certain privileges that people have in terms of the communities that they're preaching about like the likelihood of seeing like a straight cis white guy talking about you know feminism on social media is very rare but that's what also often like makes people not like burn out per se, but just not even see the point in preaching for something that they're not affected by. And that sounds so like, that sounds like such an old mindset, but it's really the reality. Like a lot of times, unless someone's directly impacted by something, it's not on the top of their list. Like, they'll be worrying about posting their like Instagram feed instead of reposting something else. And even though that's not like the number one way to help it's still something that they could do like I know once that um I was reposting something in regards to boycotting Canada Day and how um that really kind of is detrimental to the Indigenous rights and concerns and someone was replying like, how Canada has done so much for us and it's a free independent country and it's really great to acknowledge that and how it's unrelated to be boycotting it because the like sheer privilege of someone who's non-Indigenous to not be able to feel that pain is just not even comprehensible for a lot of people. And so it was really hard to kind of have that debate with someone because it's like not even fathomable, honestly, for some people to realize like the pain of like finding those graves or just seeing people like running through the streets with 
like Canada Day celebrations when they've lost someone they love? Oh, um, just like adding on to what Jazdeep said about how like, like, I don't know, I guess a lot of movements on social media, especially like the really like the ones that get really big. I think a lot of movements, especially for like human rights and things like that are characterized by their extremists. And so what you even hear about, especially if it's not something that you're actually into is what the extreme point of view is. So it's either you have to be all for it or all against it. And I think a lot of people, like I think the reason that they, like, I don't know, like might not wanna learn more or might not care is because they feel as though they have to like be all in or all out for something. And it's like most people on social media, especially if it's on social media, don't have the information and they aren't familiar enough with a topic to actually make that decision. And so a lot of people I think just like like shy away from it because they don't wanna be put in a position where like they have to take a very extreme stance. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to add on to that point, it reminds me of like how people who were too shy or like afraid to say Black Lives Matter. Yes, they, that's what I was they, gonna say. It started with the All Lives. They started the All Lives Matter, right? It was it was actually like from my from my memory, it was actually them who started All Lives Matter. The people who were just too shy to say it like fully with their chest, and then it got co-opted fully by like just hog white like the hog white people, Trump supporter types who like would say it as a counter and it became like an actual black lives matter resistance movement at a point and it was just crazy to see that right like how people were just afraid to literally say that black lives matter like like what was what was the concern when it came to that statement but like they just felt like they just couldn't couldn't be out at the protest or they couldn't say it fully with their chest and they didn't want to be participating in the quote-unquote extreme right and there was also a lot of like media misinformation that went out, like painting them as like a communist organization, painting them as like a corrupt organization because there's like another Black Lives Matter corporation that was being run run by a woman who bought like an expensive house. But that's not the entire movement, right? Like it's it's just crazy how how much they broke the movement down by by using this phrase. Yeah, like it it seems like like all these big movements that have taken off like and just everything on social media like it's so driven by fear you see like you're right like people were like scared to say black lives matter and it was crazy because like you look at like what the movement is saying like why why would it why would you say anything else right um and even with um palestine and israel like it got completely diverted to a religion thing right like a religion war and that totally misled the entire movement and then you know, when you're talking about wars that have been going on for like, like over almost a century, you know, people who are not familiar, people who didn't grow up um, living with that trauma, or like just having it like, like, I'm not Palestinian, but I'm Muslim, right. And so like, it's frequently talked about in our mosques, because there's a lot of Palestinian people within our community. And so it's just something I always grew up with, like, I always, I always knew, like the history of of the whole thing. And um, the people I was talking to friends who were not as familiar, um, with it and they you know I was asking like why why aren't you saying anything right and um, and I, I realized that yeah like if you're not familiar with something you're gonna buy into the fear um, and and the misleading information and you're, you're just gonna get confused you're not gonna want to say the wrong, wrong thing right and that's that's another not so good thing to social good side of social media just because there's so much going on like it's hard to to break it down you really have to do your own research at the end of the day yeah I found a hundred percent and like even um 
specifically adding on to the Palestinian conflict. I have a friend who's Israeli and Jewish, and I personally was not super educated on the topic, right? So um, I did like a bunch of research of my own and there's like a huge division between the actual conflict at hand and then people being uh, anti-Semitic and just telling people like disgusting things. And my friend experienced um, a lot of like hate on like social media and stuff calling like her like a dirty Jew and like really gross words like that I was like so shocked at the fact that like this was happening because I after like doing research had no idea that it had anything to do with religion even and people were just tying in aspects that they didn't want to and they were comparing things like um Nazism I was like there's no correlation and you're not making the right comparisons and people are so afraid to speak out even I was afraid to speak out because after that happened to my friend I didn't know who I was going to offend by you know supporting a certain side I didn't know what was going to happen and at the end of the day it just comes down to like what is right and you need to like Malia said do your own research because there's like a hundred opinions out there and activism is definitely like one right direction yeah um I think it's really crazy the amount of support that like Palestine got this time around in like the Israel-Palestine conflict because uh, although like it is like two-sided like Kenyon said um, it's historically been dominated by one side and they've dominated all the media narratives including uh, those spread out throughout the United States and a big reason this, this is happening is because like there's a there's a huge evangelical population in the United States, evangelical Christians, and up eighty percent of them is reported like that they support uh, the state of Israel. And if you do the math, that's like there's four times more Christian supporters of, of the state of Israel than there are Jewish people in the entire world. So this is a huge huge supporter base that has a lot of power. Like these are the these are the main Trump supporters as well. They have a lot of political power and. They, they've, they've been working very hard to make sure that one side has been winning. And this includes like uh, Donald Trump's moving of uh, the Israeli embassy to Jerusalem and just other, other disgusting things that he said and done regarding the Palestine conflict. Um, it, it, just, it was really nice to see the Palestinian side uh, finally get some coverage though in the media narrative. And I feel like, although like feelings do get hurt, I don't think it was I don't, I don't think it was fair. And I think a lot of people conflated support for Palestine to be anti-Semitism when it's, when it's actually not, right? When it's an entirely political matter, not religious. And I, yeah, I just think it needs to be clarified a bit more. I was just gonna agree. Like I was gonna say, yeah, like, like this is a great example of like just misinformation. And like, we know that a lot of, like we were talking about extremism, a lot like there's a rise in like white supremacy. I mean, Zionism is is based in uh, in white settler colonialism, right? And so a lot of those ideologies are um, mixed with each other. And so um, all this misinformation that's happening, this fear of like not wanting to speak on the right side. I think one of the issues with like, I think social media for activism is like not even social media itself. It's when people look to social media as their only source of information. Like, because I just think like, I don't know, things like Facebook, Instagram, like WhatsApp, things like that. If you're going to get your information solely off of those things, they have algorithms that are like a lot more designed to cater to exactly what you like versus if you were to search up. And it's like, again, like the Google search engines are 
like also manipulated in a lot of ways, but it's like, at least if you search things up on Google and you look, you'll get like, I don't know, you'll get like, like a local news source like CP24, but then you'll also probably get one of your top results is like Al Jazeera. And then like, I don't know, when you like actively look for different sources from different people in different places, it's like your chances of getting accurate information and like being getting information so that you can form your own opinion gets a lot higher rather than if you're only using social media, you're only looking at what your friends are posting. You're only looking at like those info, like the Instagram infographics, like that's really, really dangerous because you can get caught up like in like just a small echo chamber of just like really, really wrong like beliefs. And just like, you'll never even know that like there's something different out there. Yes, you can't avoid consuming information based on like the political agenda that's fed to you. So something I like to do, like, for example, um, with the indigenous movement um, and the water crisis, like I follow like um, Wet'suwet'en Checkpoint and like Instagram accounts where like, I mean, they're not like national broadcasting television news stations, but that to me makes me trust their information a little bit more, to be quite honest, because it's coming from the people who actually want to share their story it's like it's their own story right it's about getting your information from lots of places rather than just cnn right and like huffington post like that shows up on your facebook page um but thank you guys so much for this uh great conversation i know we got into some pretty heavy topics but also some good conversation i think that people can potentially benefit off of um i know i did so just to end on a little bit more of a inspirational know what would be your message to our audience about today's topic and how to navigate everything we just everything we just spoke about I guess I'll start off um just by saying like I don't know I think activism like just the word activism is like like it's something that's supposed to be empowering it's it's supposed to be something that you do that like makes you feel good it's about doing things about topics about issues that you care about and like making meaningful change whatever that means to you and I think you should do something you should do something that like you think is going to create a change and you should feel like good about it like obviously you shouldn't stop there but you should like take a step back and be like I did something that I care about and like I'm okay with this and I'm proud of this rather than like doing something and then immediately feeling guilty bless you I saw that um and then also just thinking about like immediately taking a step back and thinking about what the next thing you're going to do is because then it kind of just like consumes your entire life. And like, I don't know, I kind of think that activism should stem from like a place of hope and like, like betterment for the future. And it's like, I think the second it starts coming from like fear of like what other people are going to say about you, like, I feel like it just loses its meaning. Another thing that I think everyone should definitely take away is the idea that one person can't make a difference. First of all, they can. (laughs) Second of all, there isn't just one person. There's so many people who are experiencing the same thing, experiencing feeling overwhelmed and and you're not alone. And if you take it slow, like Tiffany said, you focus on just feeling good about yourself and feeling good about what you put out and you take it one thing at a time. You don't have to check everything off your checklist and just put on a show. You just have to ultimately at the end of the day, be happy with what you're doing. And that doesn't have to be everything. Um, there's some things I'd like to say like for, for listeners to take away is like, um, not to be too stressed about like having to support causes or 
or be the best activist possible. Take it one step at a time. If you need a day off, take a day off, take a week off, take a month off, take all the time you need, but just make sure that like what you, you're true to yourself and your beliefs at the end of the day is, is one big thing. And another thing I would suggest is like, if, if you do want to participate in more activism and you do want to have like see a vision for a future, good things to do are like to, to read some political theory and also to like listen to more perspectives on news. And by doing these things, like you can understand more of where your own own values are and your own core set of beliefs are. And you can begin to form like a better picture of the world. Thank you guys. That was some great advice. I think I would say everything um, that you just mentioned and like, just don't be afraid to, to have a conversation and don't be afraid to be wrong, right? Like, and be ready to like learn and learn from people, especially who are firsthand experiencing all of these things that you just witness on the news or, or hear about stories from your own home, right? And don't, don't be afraid to have those conversations and you're gonna be wrong that you can't, you can't be right all the time. You just gotta like own up and it's just, just keep learning. Um, but thank you guys so much for this conversation. I love learning more about your stories and your thoughts. And I think it's fitting because, you know, we are the generation of change as they say. Um, so before we, we sign off, we do have a fun activity that we introduced in our last episode of our podcast series. Um, it's basically songs we can't get out of our heads. Get it? Because like the podcast name is can't get it out of my head. Anyways, so we have this like running Spotify, Apple Music playlist going. And so we're going to ask each of you for one song that you can't get out of your head. Um, and from there, we're going to make like a big Spotify playlist and um hand it out to our guests and our audience so who who would like to go first better days featuring polo g that is a good one i was literally gonna say the same thing i've had that song on no loop. way no like i've had that song on loop for like the last two weeks straight honestly you know that rock song face off by who tech nine is like the main one but it's everywhere and it's, I don't know if I like the song or if it's a bad song, but it's just everywhere. And now I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> Kangen, what about you? Um, this is embarrassing, but I would say Rose's Turn from the Glee cast. It's, it's a really good song, okay? It's very empowering and very emotional because I've been re-watching Glee lately. It's been in my head for like a week. Oh my God. That's so funny. Okay. I will listen to that song. I've never heard it before. Um, thank you for your recommendations. We'll add them to the playlist. Um, and thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you have any questions, feel free to DM us, DM any of our guests. So today's episode was produced by the Stay Woke team hosted by me, Maliha, and our guests, Jazz Deep, Deepinita, and Kungan are all on our Stay Woke team. The music you heard at the beginning is a cover of Redbone by The Main Squeeze. Thank you all for tuning in and we'll catch you in our next episode.